Welcome, everyone, to episode nine of the Untitled Nick Cage Show. I am your host, Larry. And I'm your host, Rachel. So we are reviewing, obviously, by the title of this episode, The Cotton Club. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a film. <laughs> it had a beginning, a middle, and an inning. <laughs> uh yeah, we'll discuss a lot of more of that in the middle. Um, I'm going yeah. to be very shocked if we got a single email about how this is anybody's favorite Nick Cage film. Wouldn't but, that be wild if it was my inbox was just full? <laughs> I don't think I would know how to respond, honestly. I would be worried. I would be worried. Like, oh, For so a this few is different your, reasons. This is your listener base, huh? Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, we, obviously, Rachel and I actually just recorded together a couple days ago doing yeah. Spoon 5. Mm-hmm. Um, out today which i need to that reminds me i need to do my blitz oh it's okay oh it's media. totally fine it's totally 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 fine um i got to finally vent about the casting in one particular person in that movie yeah i knew you've been holding on to that for a hot i minute. really have been i really really have it and i've been like banging my head against the wall before it <laughs> because i didn't want to be me like i don't want to crap on an actress like they're doing a right. job i'm sure right. she gave it her all like i don't it was just Miscasting. So, someone should have stepped in. <laughs> especially since what, see like, something, say something, people. That is the lesson of Scream Five. Especially since like my all time, I, I the more I think about it, I think my all time favorite movie is most definitely Back to the Future. Okay. And like knowing that that movie could have been so different if someone didn't speak up and they didn't make the change. Yeah. I don't know. I just learned something new about you. I did not know that Back to the Future was your all-time favorite movie. I would have said, if I had to guess, I would have said Halloween or Predator would have been my guesses. So So those are up there, but they aren't even top two. Because number two is Goodfellas. Really? Yeah. I've seen Goodfellas at least once a year ever since the first time I saw it. Wild. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was... Well, then you must have loved Cotton Club. This is your genre. Oh, we are going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm starting to realize it's not the gangster movie, it's the Scorsese movie of it all that I'm kind of a fan of. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that is later on. Um, mm-hmm. So what's been new with you? I know you went on a trip, and I know yes. you have so many podcasts. I'm sure you've talked about it, so... Do you want to talk about that again? Do you want to talk about something new? What is I mean, what is up with you? I mean, uh, last since last time we talked, I did go to Las Vegas. I finally like got out into the world, and it was good mm-hmm. exposure therapy. I was double masked the whole time. You went I to the craziest th- fucking place to have exposure therapy too. It's I like, know. Like you can go like Kansas to some small town. There is no Vegas. shallow in for me. It's like full <laughs> lockdown or Vegas. But it was good because getting into the deep end meant it like made it possible for me to be like all right if i survive this knock on wood i'm like day four now so i think i'm probably in the clear knock on Mm -hmm. wood again but what it meant was i felt safe doing something i have not done since lockdown i went and saw a movie in a movie theater yesterday i saw the picture and i reacted (laughs) i was so happy yes it finally freaking happened i in the pandemic i've seen one movie in the theater and that was when we rented the entire theater. Yes, for aliens, for aliens. <laughs> Correct. This was my first, like, a general admission, me and strangers. I mean, to be fair, there was literally two other people in the theater besides myself and It Randy. looked like you did a nooner. So, like, I respect yeah. that. That's the best I mean, time to I, go to the theater. <laughs> I'm always a, like, hang with the grands. Me when too. I, like, Ever that, since I started getting pissed off and, like, wanted to yell at the children for talking. Yes. You go to the matinee. <laughs> yes. 
there's like you reach a point in your life where you can no longer drink Long Island iced teas and you also only want to do the, the 11 a.m. showing, preferably during church. So there's like yes. no one there. You're so <laughs> Those are like age markers right there. And Back I'm in the pre-pandemic, happy. I used to go to that indie theater Tuesdays at 10 Ooh, and it was literally mm, money me. slot. It was me. I, I can see whatever yes. I wanted. Whole theater yes. myself. Oh yeah, that's heaven. Yeah, it was great. Everybody was. Everybody was. What mad. movie was also it? Messed. We went and saw. We saw X. Oh, I saw the trailer. It had Kid Cudi in it, right? Maybe. Scott Mess Cudi is. Was he one of the actors? Um, I'm definitely not on IMDb right now looking. This okay. Up. Uh, uh, it was. Yes, that was Kid Cudi. I yeah. Know that. I, th- I thought okay, I saw so him in the Also, trailer. another age marker is you don't know who the fuck Kid Cudi is. Okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, and it's the new Ty West horror film. Yeah. Um, Did you like, like it? Larry. It was so good. Okay, cool. I saw trailers for it. I was really interested, but it wasn't showing at the theater near here. They still have, it's Batman, Dog, and someone else. So I didn't well, get to go Well, when you get a chance... You should definitely see this. Um, it's okay. a very sexy movie, though, so I'll just warn you there. It's a like very Eli sexy Roth, movie. sexy or like? No. What's interesting about it is it's really not that. I mean, it's very sexy. Like it's basically people shooting porn at a. Uh, oh, like, I did not know that. <laughs> so it's like set in the '70s, and like this group of people are are shooting a porno in a barn that they in a barn slash like house that they rented on the same property as these farmers, and okay, things get. Murdery. I will not tell Devin and show her. She she enjoys a, a nice sexy movie, so I, I won't tell Devin. And we'll go. This see one it. is mighty sexy, but it's interesting the way that they go about it. Like it's okay. it's very it's explicit in some ways, but it's all it's not weirdly not grimy. Is it I don't as know. much dong as there was in Euphoria? I mean, Euphoria has set the dong ceiling, so no. But like, <laughs> there is definitely a dong in it. <laughs> there is so much in that show. Have you yeah. gotten around to it yet? No, but I mean, I've heard, and I also have witnessed by proxy through you. Yeah, that like you're like dazzled by dongness that's been happening. I really was so. like, and the thing is, it's like because we always see so much boob and everything in all the movies, mm-hmm. and like for a little bit of reading I've done, it seems like it was a artistic choice. It, but mm-hmm. even so, knowing that it was just, it's just very interesting. Because I mean, it's just... one way to get around things being, like, strictly male gaze is to, like, have actual nudity parody or nudity, yeah. not so much parody, but in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, for me, I was kind of like, I think I'm a little done with slashers. I don't know that they really have anything new to say. And I was kind of delighted to find that maybe that's not entirely true. Yeah, I think that's just a Scream 5 hangover. Slash TCM. Slash, yeah. I know we're not going to do it again, but also for me, Halloween kills. Like I thought that I, word was forbidden until I, Halloween I, ends. I, I, we're not even doing it. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm I'm put as a data point into that yeah. I've had three in a row where I was just like, God damn it. And so then when this one came around, I was like, and I'm back in just when I thought I was out. <laughs> that always happens to me with found footage. Like uh-huh. Blair Witch just set the bar and then you'll go uh-huh. through just trash and then you'll have your paranormal activity. Or your grave encounters, right? Like, mm-hmm. I saw a really fun found footage recently. What was it called? Um, I saw it at, at South by, and I think it's been picked up by Shutter, so okay. we'll get to see it soonish. It's called Deadstream. 
Ooh, okay. It's like it's a found footage horror comedy. Okay. Um, and it's kind of, it's a, a guy who's streaming his night. He's like been a he's a canceled streamer who's like trying to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. So he stays the night in a haunted house. Okay. And I'm so in. it's like camera in his face, mostly one person, uh, with like stuff on the screen of like people interacting. Um, okay. In his chat, it, it it's in my opinion the best version of that movie so I've seen so far. Interesting. So you liked it more than the one that came out during the pandemic. The which one? Uh, what spree? No, it was it was uh like they were on a Zoom call, and they were oh, playing the Ouija board. Yeah, that one's that one's scarier. I would say. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but this one isn't Zoom. It's like it's more like spree in that it's about him interacting with his followers so like through his live stream. Yes. Okay. It's like Twitch, but the guy's really, I don't know, his performance is really compelling and he's funny and cool. he's actually the director, him and his wife directed the film. But yeah, oh, so when Dead String comes out, that was probably my favorite thing I saw at South by Southwest. So year. I'm going to guess that since that's your favorite, you didn't get a chance to see the unbearable no, weight of massive talent. I did not, unfortunately, because I, I did uh, I did it virtually and that was an in-person only screening. Did you see what the Rotten Tomato score is for that movie right now? I haven't seen the score, but I saw the reactions to it, at, you know, and it's, they were really good. Last I checked, it said a perfect. Ooh, Apparently, so again, I, I've 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 tried my best when I was looking for news stories. A lot of uh-huh. stuff had come up about it. Uh huh. And one of the headlines was the perfect love letter to the career of Nick Cage. I mean, I couldn't avoid the trailer at the movies yesterday, and it uh-huh. looks so good. It looks so good. It looks so funny. It looks. It, look, it I think looks like it's gonna time. like warm our hearts. Yeah. Um. So I'm ex- I'm super excited about that. I saw that and I closed my eyes through the Doctor Strange trailer, but I heard a voice that I think I know who it is. And I'm oh, see, I skipped it. Out. I actually walked out of the room during the Super Bowl, so I have yet to see that trailer. <sighs> then I shall say nothing more. <laughs> but I'm. I finally saw Spider Man this week, so now I'm okay. like all on the Doctor Strange multitude of madness train. I cannot wait to put it in my eyeballs now um loved spider-man loved 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 although i'm a little did you watch it i'm not spoiling anything oh my gosh that that went i wouldn't saw it opening night there was no way toby mcguire i feel conflicted about the way that where we left him yeah that was so i what does that mean are they removing him from the the mcu because it feels like an exit from the MCU to me. So I have some guesses. Okay. Um, I will say that my love of Spider-Man is really Tobey Maguire. I have mm-hmm. like the Tom Holland ones. I thought he's been great, but mm-hmm. I'm not as attached as I was. So I think I can kind of address this in less of a fanboy way. If it was Toby, I would be deluding myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know Tom Holland only signed on for three movies. Yeah. This was the third. Um, mm. I think they have set the groundwork to move away from him and Zendaya. I think their stars are almost too big oh. now. So you could go like a Miles Morales. You could bring in a Gwen Stacy. Um, I mean, listen, I'll take a Spider-Gwen all day, every day. And the, the thing that bothers me is I agree with you, and I love Miles Morales. Like, I, that's, well, that's probably one of the coolest. Like, him mm-hmm. and Terry from Batman Beyond were probably, like, some of my favorite, like, alter characters of characters I love. Mm-hmm. Um, But why can't we have all of them? 
Like, I, I don't know. And Marvel has kind of been losing it for me. Mm. Um, I tried watching Hawkeye. Oh, I loved Hawkeye. Yeah, I'll try again because I love, uh, what's her face? The girl from True Grit. Haley Steinfeld. She's so good in it, too. Yeah, she's such a great actress. And I like uh, Hawkeye. Yeah, that Like him, too. And But, like, I don't know. I felt like they really swung and miss on Captain America. I thought that yeah, could have been so great. It could have tackled so many important things. And I felt like it was so superficial. Um, so it's still been up and down for me. So mm-hmm. the next movie might be a down. So I'm like very cautious about what's to come. I'm interested. I mean, I I really I'm worried about the Spider Man thing because I I actually I think my favorite is Tom Holland. Okay. Because I was kind of out. I really love the first two Spider Mans. The third one, not for me. Did not like the Andrew Garfield ones, despite really liking Andrew Garfield as a person and as actor, whatever. Um, so I was just kind of like, I'm I'm a little done with this character, and then I was charmed. Yeah. by Tom Holland and I really loved the Vulture character in the first one and mm-hmm. so it like sucked me back in and I loved his interactions with the rest of the Avengers a yeah. lot especially um, yeah, especially Iron Man yeah and I, I liked Tony, I, I liked um, Andrew Garfield's it wasn't he, he suffered because it followed what Sam Raimi did the third one obviously had its problems like everybody knows that right yeah. but like there were still things in there that were very true to the Spider-Man world I thought them killing Gwen Stacy was remarkable. I thought they just had a terrible Green Goblin that kind of killed the vibe. Mm. And yeah, I couldn't I think... even make it through that movie, so I don't know. Oh yeah, but the <laughs> other big thing too is that I loved how the Spider-Man movie treated both of those guys. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of redemption for Andrew Garfield. And a lot of reverence for Tobey Maguire. I think it, was, it was really well And it was done. well spread out. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. just focused on Tobey, which I would have been fine. Like, in the moment, I would have been fine with because I, that has such a special place for me. Like, as far as, like, movies and superheroes and stuff go. Mm-hmm. But it was just so... It was so well done. And I think we saw how great of an actor Andrew Garfield is when it was, like, touching on things, right? Mm-hmm. And... When he, when he caught Zendaya. Yeah. I was like... God damn it! I don't even care about your movies, and I want to cry right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> it was just. It was just. Yeah. So, I I was really surprised that that didn't get any Oscar love. I um, mean, there's I, I know that Sony was pushing, and it seems weird because there's already been precedent for movies to get it, and I it's just like Rachel. I don't, I'm not watching the Oscars this year. I don't care anymore. And Who that's cares? the. Yeah. We're, we're, the Indie Spirit Awards are our Oscars, okay? We don't. Yeah, and, and not only that, but did that's you too s- mainstream for people. Did you like see us? what they're doing? Like they're not showing the main category. They're doing it like in commercial breaks. What? Yeah, there's a big petition going on from like a lot of Hollywood people, um, basically saying like they're not doing like original score. What? Yeah, like there's a whole list of things that they cut for like either the pre-broadcast or commercial breaks. Oscar. This is like what is the producers? It's like the producers. Like they're trying to tank the tank the Oscar so they can stop doing it. Yeah, it, it's 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 literally incredible. So they cut eight awards from the broadcast. Listen, and the thing is, it's like big awards: film editing, production design, sound, makeup and hairstyling, original score, documentary short, live action short, animated short. What? 
Yeah. What? Okay. Okay. And like a lot of people are literally like like a lot of directors, a lot of actors and actresses. They're all pushing back. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're belittling this. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter. People, we need it needs to be entertaining. I'm not like, well, you lost my eyes, so. Right. That's weird. Uh, These are weird choices. Yeah. But whatever. Whatever. Anyway, what What about you? What have you been up to? (laughs) Uh, school mainly. Um, okay. started back last week. I spent seven and a half hours yesterday doing Excel problems. Shout out to my wife for coming in and helping me finish them because she is far better <laughs> at Excel than me. Uh, we got a hundred percent on all of yeah. it, so seven hundred out of seven hundred, which is Jesus. I know it, it was all it was all day yesterday. I that just is ended- a marathon. Yeah, I, I woke up at like 7.30, gave Dante his medicine, came in here to start working. It was like 10.30. I realized that if I didn't get her to help me, I was fucked. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't find solutions on YouTube. Like, the professor's lectures were so... T- there weren't any lectures. It was just YouTube videos that didn't correlate to what the, the content was. So I went into Devin, like, when she was still in bed, hat in hand. I was like, hey, I hate to do this on your day off, but I need you. <laughs> Oh, I bet she was happy to do it. She though. did not make me feel bad. She did not give me shit. She was a, a saint. She is far. She is such a far better person than me. And yeah, we got it done and we got graded. And yeah, so on to next week's problems. <laughs> um, and then besides that, um, been playing Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, Justin and I reviewing that. Um, a little bit of a teaser. I think this will probably come out after that episode comes out, but we'll see. But I'll still say it. Uh, I don't like Souls games. Yeah. This game is quite possibly the most complete game I've ever played. Okay. Like, literally everything in the game feels purposely placed. Like, every, like, it's a giant open world map, but everything seems intentional. And I've never played a game like that. Like, the Pokemon Legends RCS didn't do it. Breath of the Wild didn't do it. I, I have never played a game where everything has purpose. And the other really crazy thing, too, is that if you load into the base map, you can go all the way across the map, which is really huge. No load screens. That's crazy. It's The future is now. It is one of the most remarkable games. And there are times, because, again, I do not like Souls games... There were times, especially when I first started playing, before I started going after like the bosses, I forgot I was playing a Souls game. Really? Yeah. It, it just seems so grindy and un- un- unenjoyable to me. So when you start going towards the end stuff, yes. <laughs> but that, oh, but that, but that first night where there I pulled, it is. Yeah. But that first night when I pulled that all-nighter unintentionally because I was just like enjoying myself in the game, it it really was remarkable. I, I I do think this is probably one of the most remarkable games I've ever played. It's a little bit easier since like, like when I finish it, I probably won't play it again. Um, just because it's in the end, it's a souls game and that's not, it's not my cup of tea, but this is, it's an incredible game. It, 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 I'm going to give it full reverence. It isn't that scary. So it's probably going to get hurt when we review it because it's like a quarter of the score. Right. Yeah. But, this is probably the most impressive game I've ever played. Wow. That is saying a lot. Yeah, and and that's not even to be hyperbolic. It really is it is 
special. It is it is something. I, I was I was actually talking to Devin about it. I was trying to place the last time I played a game that I felt like pushed everything, you know, mm-hmm. and and I couldn't think of one. Like not in this way, not like graphically, not what like so <laughs> up until a few weeks ago, I used to like mainline Destiny. Yeah. And even that never like there's a lot of content in that, but even that never felt like this. Hmm. Like you'll find random caves and random bosses and quest lines and differently than the other Souls games is like it's far easier to discover them and how to complete them. It's still like you still have to talk to people and explore. But it's not as buried in item descriptions. Mm, okay. So I, I I honestly think like I would tell people like make sure that you summon because you can like summon people to come help you with the bosses. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I was connecting you and and Borp. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I saw that. Looking for friends. This is relevant to your interests. Yeah, I, I saw that. And if, if they needed help, uh, I, I would I'd love to help them too. Uh, it's just, yeah, it was, uh, it, 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 I, again, I expected to hate it and there are things about it I did hate. I got stuck in a boss. I fought him like 40 times. And I eventually just, I told Justin, I'm not trying, I'm not beat. It's like the secret boss. Mm. I tried to go. Is this that? Millennia. Yeah. It's not Trump. Marley. <laughs> I, I was reaching and I was like, ended up <laughs> in Marley. <laughs> yeah. And, uh. After like forty attempts going on the internet to Reddit trying to find people to come help me and people coming in to help me and not being able to beat it, I just I don't care. I want to get the clear and I want to move on to simpler, easier games. Mm-hmm. Like I uh, Uncharted is one you've talked about. I'm really oh feeling my god, an yes, you game. need to play the. In- I mean, skip the first one. Yeah, but like <laughs> you gotta play the Uncharted games. They're like an adventure film. If yeah. you like adventure films, and, yeah, and I love the Laura like Croft it. games. So like I wanna try it i mean there's so. a reason they call it dude raider yes <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> but yeah that's basically with me it's been elden ring and then just a lot of schoolwork. um yeah that's it do we we'll talk about some breaking cage news hell yeah cage news <laughs> all right i'll go first because i didn't first. click on your article link and i want to know I don't, I don't know who it's going to be so we'll, okay. we'll, we'll wait so Perfect. Nick Cage, like we talked about earlier, without South mm-hmm. by Southwest, answering a lot mm-hmm. of questions, doing the press tour. We'll save all the new unbearable weight news when we review it. I think we're both oh trying. Oh my god, I cannot wait to insert it in my eyeballs. I know my my friends uh, in lab already said they will come watch it with me in the theater. So nice. we're gonna leave lab and go check it out <laughs> one day Excellent. when it comes. Uh, but however, they started talking about what is probably my favorite Nick Cage movie. Okay. Face off. Mm-hmm. So not only is Cage preparing for the sequel, which, man, what are they going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to accomplish that. But he was talking about how he recently rewatched it, preparing for the new role to get him back into the mindset of Casper Pope. And uh, he thinks that the movie aged beautifully. Oh, Okay. It's it has been a while since I've seen Face Off. Um, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. My DVD. I remember. Oh my gosh, was it a year ago? Two years ago? I remember me and Dad were going to go watch my DVD, and the DVD didn't work anymore. Oh no, that must have been a sad day. It was really you. sad. So I need to get a Blu-ray copy. I'm actually going to Half Price Books 
um, in an attempt to pick up a book before I get the audiobook um, for something, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see if they have that one, unless that I'm one is sorry, a rare gem as well. <laughs> <laughs> Never know with good old VC Andrews. But uh, I want to hopefully find a Blu-ray copy of it. Um, She's a hot ticket. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited. Like, I think Nick Cage has become even cagier than when he was back in 97 when Face Off came out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. John Travolta has also become cagier. (laughs) John Travolta kind of becoming back, too? I, yeah, John DeVolta is a person who didn't die. Nick Pope's one who died. Casper Pope died. Right. Oh, so how are they going to bring him Hi, back? Rachel. It's been so long, I honestly didn't even remember that Pope died. Yeah, remember he was out there down on the beach and he got impaled on the wall. And it was sure. it was John DeVolta who died, but it was Nick Cage who's the one who died. Oh, well, I mean, I guess they just needed to save his face. Maybe they're going to put it on... Uh, did Pollux live? <laughs> you know what? No, he died too. What I want, uh, maybe they'll put it on like John Travolta's daughter. Oh, because wow. because Nick Cage because wow. Nick Cage had a son. Right. Oh God, they're just gonna put them. They're gonna swap the kids' faces. <laughs> what is happening? It's gonna. Oh man, that's Come gonna on, be. Come on, Gareth Evans. I trust you. Get this right. Oh, it's That's gonna... who's doing this, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, so honestly, we'll probably save Face Off, depending upon how when this one comes out. But we'll probably save it to do it like back to back months. Well, I mean, we have we're nine months into this and we're on the Cotton Club, so we'll probably be able to skip in line. A little yeah, we we have hopped around. We have hopped around. That is very true. We we did tackle Pig and unbearable talent oh, will that's, be an i'm not gonna be review. able to wait yeah I'm that's an immediate review that's a must yeah like even if like wouldn't god forbid or anything will happen but if don were to get sick uh, that's a happy venture not the sad ball don't even summon those things into the universe well let's say that, that, that that's why i skipped pig originally right okay okay that's fair that's fair. because you were kind to let me do that and mm. But this, I yeah, I kind of threw myself in front of that train, like nope, nope. Yes, nope, you are because nope, you're nope. you're so kind. Yes, that's exactly right. So yeah, that's what I have. I'm pretty awesome. excited. I, I love Face Off, and knowing that another one is coming, I'm pretty pumped. So how about you? All right. Well, you talked about a role that he has. I'm going to talk about a role that he wants. So again, King uh, Cage is doing the rounds. He's talking about things, and somehow the conversation turned around to the DCU, and what role he would like to play in it. Okay. So he he was talking about the new the Batman. Um, he was saying that he hasn't seen. He said the Batman, which I'm excited to see, but I haven't seen yet. I think it will. He will be terrific. Um, and then he let people know who he would like to play. There is a particular villain, one that I am totally unfamiliar with, and I'm hoping, as our resident Batman super fan, yes. you are familiar. All right, can I? So, you want to guess? Is it one it's of Batman's rogues? Uh, yes. Okay, so it's one of so it's a Batman villain. Yes. Can it's you give a deep me cut. um Mad Hatter, Calendar Man, Zaz? Nope. Nope. Who is it? Nope. So this one kind of has a horror connection, which makes sense why 
Cage wants to turn him into like a truly terrifying character. Okay. He would like to take on the role once played by the late great icon Vincent Price uh, from the 1960s show. The character's name is Egghead. Are you familiar with Egghead? I am not. I also did not know that Vincent Price was in the Adam West show. Uh-huh. He says, the villain that Vincent Price played on the 1960s show, Egghead. I think I would, uh, I want to have a go at Egghead. I think I can make him absolutely terrifying. And I have a concept for Egghead. So let them know over at Warner Brothers, I'm down for Egghead. So Egghead is the world's smartest criminal, and he uses a variety of egg-themed weapons, um, including laughing gas eggs and tear gas eggs he also apparently appeared in the animated series batman the brave and the bold and the lego batman movie really i i have got to get around to watching the lego batman movie have you not seen it no i've seen bits and pieces i never actually sat down we went to go see it in theaters and the theater the screen was broken so we got our money back but i still got my lego but yeah we never (laughs) well that's the most important thing (laughs) but but after that i actually never saw it yeah (laughs) gotta get that minifig but yeah so he wants to if you click on that link you can see a picture of vincent price's egghead it's like him with a slightly elongated bald head holding an egg oh wow yes you sure can so i would i personally would love to see this i like it when they do deep cuts on villains Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like again the Riddler what? is obviously a big one that's totally yeah. fine but like I, I, I like seeing the other ones I think they are all interesting I think they can all be done well so yeah. I mean one of my favorite things about the Harley Quinn cartoon is that it's just like full of weird deep cuts Oh, and that and it's just so fucking funny it's, it's so witty so good. I know that what's the spinoff there's a spinoff coming did you know that no I'll th- th- oh that yes it was announced in a panel at South by Southwest there is a spinoff that is going to focus you're going to love this it's going to focus on Kite Man okay he like is reeling from the end of his relationship and he goes and buys a bar and like like cheer style Oh and it's going to be like, people coming God. into the bar. Yeah. That would be so great. When is season three coming? Oh, I don't know. A million years from now, probably. Is Warner Brothers still pissed off that Batman went down in Catwoman and they were like, holding it back? Is that what it is? I don't know. But that's very stupid. Especially oh considering all the other things that we've seen in that show. Oh, my Lord. Whatever. All right. Well, anyway, so Egghead. Yes. Cool. Nick Cage as Egghead. Cool. All right. Well, we put it off. I'm just letting everybody I, know. I don't think we can procrastinate anymore. We got to just yeah, do I'm, it. <laughs> I'm letting people know, like, ahead of time, this is going to be an interesting review. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the introductory music to The Cotton Club. So, Rachel. Yes? I think it's safe to say neither you or I had seen this before, this viewing. Nay. Because we would have uh, (laughs) skipped over this one. Probably, yeah. There isn't a lot of cage. 
Mm-mm. No, no, no. The cage we get is not the cage we like. No, 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 no. It is very. This one's hard. This was not one. a fun movie. Yeah. I, in it was a any bit of respect. A slog. Yeah, this one was tough. I had to break it into two goes. Yeah. Because it's also long. Yeah, because did you watch the updated version? I did watch the director's cut because I saw what had been added back in, and I was like, I feel like that's important to watch that. I couldn't find the other version. Mm, well, there you go. It was on Amazon, but you couldn't get it. The only version to, that was able to be gotten was this version. There you go. Same answer. That's what I did. I definitely didn't pirate it. <clears throat> yes. So the film is named after the famous Harlem Jazz Club of the same name in the 1930s. Yes. Co-written and directed by Francis Ford Coppola, Nick's uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coppola did Dracula, obviously, famously. Um, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, this cast is insane. Would you agree? Insane. In like my probably my favorite thing about this movie was the like, hey, that guy yes. game that I played throughout the entire runtime. And just when I was like, surely no one else I was gonna recognize <laughs> pops is gonna pop up, along comes somebody new. So I picked my favorites before um oh. so I, I, I took my notes before I watched the movie this morning, I did it during work. Whoops. Uh and so I talked about Richard Gere. He is mm-hmm. pretty much our main character. Um, he became kind of yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> he um, came to prominence for the film American Gigolo, which established him as a sex symbol. I never understood him as a sex symbol until this movie. He's pretty hot in this movie. He's pretty hot in this movie because I've seen Officer and a Gentleman. I've seen Pretty Woman. Right. I've seen even Primal Fear and Rick Runaway Bride and all that stuff. I've never gotten it. I got it in this movie. Yeah. This, I think, is peak him. Yeah. My favorite role from him, though, is when he played Billy Flynn in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah. Cellophane is one of my go-to karaoke slash drinking songs. So Is that so? I cannot yes. wait for the live rendition. It, it, it is not as high as Sweet Transvestite, but it is... Are one we gonna step do karaoke down. in October? I think we're gonna do. If karaoke I drink, I'm sure it will most likely happen. Yes. Uh, we have Gregory Hines, uh, the late great Gregory Hines. Yes, he was in many movies, a lot of Broadway stuff. He's a daytime Emmy, um, a Tony Award. Uh, yeah, so he was um, on Nick Jr. He voiced Big Bill on the TV show Little Bill, which ran from '99 to 2004. I'm going to guess that that is probably a little too new for you. I didn't grow up with cable, so I didn't have, like all these cultural top touchstones of like Nickelodeon, none of that stuff. And I, I if it was not on PBS or Fox, I never saw it. Interesting. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, so for me, I uh, we lost. I think my parent, my dad canceled cable. I was in like fifth grade, sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So Nick Jr. was a big thing for a while, like that. And then after that, it was just like uh, Arthur on PBS because that was over yeah. the the bunny ears. We yep. have Di- we have Di- <laughs> we have Diane Lane. Yes, um, the fetus of Diane Lane. Yeah, apparently she was in this film in a film called Streets of Fire. And since they both were considered failures, her career kind of burnt out. 
Really? Yeah, but then she made a... Uh, she has small parts in The Big Town and Lady Beware, but she came back on the popular and acclaimed TV miniseries Lonesome Dove, which got her an oh, Emmy yeah. nomination. Mm-hmm. And then she got um, a lot of recognition for her film role Walk on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And that was followed by her being in uh, The Perfect Storm, opposite George Clooney and your boy, Ugh. Marky Mark. Ugh, my favorite part was when he dies. <laughs> <laughs> she was in the film Unfaithful, which is very sexy. I think uh, with Richard Gere, right? I, I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and then she had roles in Must Love Dogs, Night in Rodanth. Um, and then, for me, she is Superman's mom in the Snyderverse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of two mo- moms named Martha. Important plot point. <sighs> yeah, Zach sometimes misses the teeth. It's a hit and miss kind of dude. <laughs> yes. James Remar is in this film. Yes. <laughs> For me, Remar will always be Dexter's dad because that's definitely mm. the first time I saw him in anything. Really? Oh, For yeah. For me, it was definitely the uh, Warriors. Ajax. Mm-hmm. He was Albert Gans in 48 Hours. Jack Duff in Miracle on 34th Street, Richard in Sex in the City, mm-hmm. and like I said, Dexter's dad. Since 2009, most of his work, though, has come from doing voiceover for luxury Lexus cars. Is that right? That's what you told you, me. Remar. <laughs> All right, get it, Remar. Get that Lexus money. All right. Get that and bag. Now we're going to talk about the person who I was so happy to see was going to be in this movie. Mm. Frank Wynn oh yay <laughs> you know he's he's so great in this too he is so one great. of the bright spots i think is him and bob hoskins 100 percent, 100 percent. um mm-hmm. frank win for me i grew up we didn't have cable right for the most part so we had like the over the bunny ear stuff so me tv for any people who know that's a free access over the air kind of thing and a lot of the old stuff so i had um Andy Griffith Show, MASH, all that stuff. But one of the other ones that I always loved, and it was on less frequently than the others, was The Munsters. Love The Munsters. And Frank Wynn is Herman Munster. Yep. He's also Jed from Pet Cemetery, which is one of my other favorite roles of his. Correct. And he was also in My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, he was. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited. This is a little side note. Uh, Rob Zombie's Monsters show is coming out. Apparently, it's like PG. Yeah, apparently. And I think it's going to be good. I I have faith. Okay. I could be wrong, but I want the <laughs> Monsters to be good. They had that, that 23 Mockingbird Lane mini sh- episode or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, give me... Like, I love the Monsters. Like, it's so good. And it, the thing is, is like, because, you, because it's about Monsters, you could hide so much, like, social commentary... Like about things we're dealing with today inside of it, of course, yeah. And I just don't, I don't like make it work, Hollywood. Like you literally gave the pe- the kids of Riverdale superpowers. You can give me a good monster show. Is that true? Oh yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, they had a crossover event, so now Archie and someone else have superpowers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne is also in this movie. Yes. Uh, I first met him. As Morpheus. Yeah, so he played Morpheus in the Matrix movies. 
He played Furious Styles in Boys in the Hood. He was Mr. Clean in Coppola's Apocalypse Now. Um, oh, he's in the John Wick movies. Yeah. Was he in the first one? No. He's okay. in the second one. So yeah. that would be why I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for his role as Ike Turner and What's Love Got to Do With It. He won a Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in Two Trains Running, an Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor in the drama series uh, Tribeca. Um, he was the first African-American to portray Othello in a major motion picture, which oh. is incredible because that was in 1995. And Jesus. Othello was about a black man. <laughs> so there, there you go. That's uh, right. It was, that's right. Oh. Yeah. It was like Lawrence Olivier. Yes. Right? Which, oof, yes. Oof, I mean, oof, oof. I remember watching, I haven't seen it for a very long time. I remember watching it in high school, and Olivier is an amazing actor, but it's also like, what the fuck are we doing here, guys? Fishburne was also in The Color Purple, School Days, King of New York, Deep Cover, Searching for Bobby Fisher, an amazing movie, Event Horizon, Mystic River, another great movie. Contagion, Man of Steel, and the other Batman movies. He was in Ant-Man and the Wasp, so he has crossed over between the DC and MCU. Mm-hmm. He was on CSI for a little while. He was, in my opinion, the best Jack Crawford we ever got in the TV series Hannibal. And he is on the TV show Blackish. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And that is kind of the best stuff I have about this movie. I have some other notes. We'll go through it. But that is, uh, that's your highlights, guys. <laughs> Yeah, there it, are a, a few other just like random people that show up. Like, yes, Tom Waits is in this. Mm-hmm. You the re- creepy Reverend from Poltergeist Two is in this. You mentioned Bob Hoskins. Yes, Bob Hoskins, and like to me, total highlight. Giancarlo Esposito has a teeny tiny role in this. Really? Where? Yep, he's one of the like um, like sidekicks of Bumpies. You know, I thought I recognized him. Yeah. But I wasn't sure, and I wanted it to be over because it was two hours and, like, 19 minutes, so I wanted it to be done. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not crazy. I thought I saw him. I thought I saw yep. him. He's in it. Uh, little kid. Jennifer little Gray kid version. From, from uh, Dirty Dancing has a teeny tiny role. Yes! You're right! Yep. Mario Van Peebles shows up just as, like, a hot dude like a, <laughs> for a minute. It's it's totally every few minutes you're like, hey, 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 which the, is, like, truly the fun, most fun way to It is, yes. This. It would be fun to do Drink every time you game. recognize yes. somebody. Because <laughs> by the end, you may not, uh, you know, hate it as much. Um, there you go. The film went way over budget. Took over yeah. five years to make. Shot for $58 million, it only grossed $26 million. It was nominated for several awards, including the Golden Globe for Best Director and Best Picture. Uh, I know. Like set design, costuming. Oscar, like, uh, there you go. Oscar for sure. Best Art Direction and sure. Best Film Absolutely. Editing. Which, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they, they were hoping this film would bring to public attention to African-American history in a similar way that Gone with the Wind did for the American Civil War and Reconstruction. Hmm. Which is probably... just focused on those characters. Yeah, which is probably the reason why I was so annoyed with this by the time it was over. Because, Mm -hmm. again, I wrote these notes before I watched the movie this afternoon. So I was like, oh, so like we're going to have a bunch of white characters on the side back in the 80s. Like we're going to have some really interesting stuff. 
Okay. So Evans, who is our producer, he secured $12 million of financing from a Saudi, from a Saudi arms dealer. Uh, Paramount withdrew from the film in 1981 because of this. He worked to secure so ownership of the film negative to recoup his losses uh, because of bad stock market investments and a cocaine trafficking arrest. <laughs> However, this action alienated potential investors. Uh, so production was delayed when Evans reached a plea bargain to produce an advertising campaign of anti-drug public service announcements in exchange for the expungement of his cocaine arrest. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yes. There's a lot to unpack with all of that. <laughs> there's so many notes here I have, Rachel. You can stop me whenever you're bored. In 84, Evans, who intended to direct the film himself, uh, after the initial director Altman had left the thing, hired William Kennedy and Francis Ford Coppola to rewrite Mario Puzo, might sound familiar because he wrote The Godfather, story and screenplay. Evans eventually decided that he did not want to direct the film and asked Coppola last minute, um, which is weird because Evans and Coppola did not like each other. In fact, they had an adversarial, adversarial sorry, relationship because of the production of The Godfather films. But Coppola accepted the job as screenwriter and then director because he needed money. Because he was deeply in debt for making the film One from the Heart with his own money. And he bankrupted his studio, Zotrope Studios. Whoops. <laughs> Richard Selbert said that he told Evans not to hire Coppola because he resents being in the commercial narrative. Hollywood movie business. Coppola said he had letters from Silbert asking him, though, to work on the film because Evans was crazy. Coppola said that Evans set the tone for the level of extravagance long before I got there. So as you can tell, there was a lot of really well-functioning people behind the scenes. Yeah, it sounds... I mean, honestly, this makes so much sense because it doesn't feel like a cohesive film. No. It feels like multiple people edit... Like, it feels like they edited multiple films together. A hundred percent. So, another fun fact here. Evans wanted to cast first Al Pacino or Sylvester Stallone or Harrison Ford to play Dixie Dwyer before Those Gear was hired. Very different movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard Pryor was originally considered for the role of Sandman Williams. Um, Evans wanted to cast his friend Alan Delon in the two-scene role as Lucky Luciano, but this did not happen. Um, Luciano was actually played by Joe, Joe D'Alessandro. Um, author Mario Puzo was original screenwriter and was eventually replaced by William Kennedy, who wrote a rehearsal script in eight days, which the cast used for three weeks prior to shooting. According to our boy Gregory Hines, the three hour film was shot during rehearsals. From July 15th to August 22nd, 1983, 12 scripts were produced, including five Whoa. during one 48-hour, nonstop, I'm sure cocaine-filled weekend. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is all making so much sense. <laughs> Kennedy estimates that between 30 and 40 scripts were turned out for this movie. Wow. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here. I'm going to skip over some of it just because basically it's going to say they fought over where the money was going to go, who was going to fund it, who would be producers, who wouldn't be producers, and all that jazz. It was a mess. It was a mess, 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 mess. In 2015... Coppola found an old Betamax video of his original cut that ran 25 minutes longer. When originally editing the picture, he acquiesced to distributors who wanted a shorter film with a different structure. So between 2015 and 2017, Coppola spent $500,000 of his own money to restore Jesus. the film 
to what he believed. No wonder he was going broke. <laughs> to, to restore the film to what he felt was the true original cut. And that is the version that you and I watched because it was the yes. only version that was available to be rented. Yes. Rented. <laughs> and there you have it. What? <laughs> Uh, there you have it and honestly like i know i keep saying it but like this is adding so much important context for me it really is and the thing is i was reading it but i didn't think it was going to be a mess rachel because i saw the cast i know what coppola is capable of Mm -hmm. and i was really intrigued like when i read the intention was to make a movie that echoed the beautification or the the gildedness of reconstruction in the civil war in the south but mm-hmm. to kind of bring that to harlem yeah i was like okay and i saw mario puza wrote the original script like okay uh-huh so plot yeah it has a lot of it yes and then and yet also nothing happens and yeah so we don't do we do what here's johnny with a 60 second summary or anything like that a very quick plot synopsis is gangsters exist uh-huh things happen we use the sort n-word of. and the k-word oh so much it's the first time so i think i've ever much. heard the k-word used in a movie oh really yeah you watch gangster movies how have you never heard it I, I might have missed over it but because the n-word was being flown around so much it's really gross yeah yeah the, yeah. the k-word kind of popped up and i was like oh well we are just covering all the bases at least we're not being selective in our bigotry here yeah um and that's kind of it it's like the shittier version of cabaret okay where sure. like you have like a female and you have a guy and like they have crossing paths and in the background you have this really atrocious shit happening yeah I could see that. But to yeah. co- but I'm not trying to compare it to Cabaret because Cabaret is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and this is not <laughs> at all. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say the most of the acting is pretty good. Well, we'll, yes. the, we'll, we'll get to that. In, most. Yeah, we're, we're getting ahead of it, I guess. Uh, the plot's a mess. Yes. Which is a shame because I think there is an interesting movie in here. Yes. It's just not focused on the white characters <laughs> could you imagine if you got a jordan peele or a nia da costa telling right. of the cotton club i mean honestly so many other people could do anybody else like if they just i mean because i do think the some of the most i what the problem with this movie is that every time i was investing slightly in a plot line we changed movies immediately immediately it did not give you time to really invest in gregory Hines's love story no and, and then every time you You'd start to, they'd switch to the Richard Gere and Diane Lane one, which I cared less about to begin with. But also, anytime I even remotely started to care about it, they'd switch back over to... Or now get very about, problematic. <laughs> or get very problematic. Um, I mean, this thing is full of all kinds of stuff. You've mentioned, like, the racism in this mm-hmm. that does not... It feels like it thinks it's examining it, but it's just not. It does feel like... They thought they were being thoughtful. Yeah, yeah this is like it doesn't feel like Tarantino, writing. where it feels like it's shock value or just like splurge. And again, I love Tarantino, but with how much they use the N word and stuff, it definitely feels like they're trying to like smash you in the face with it. 
this film. I mean, they're they're going for like gritty realism. Yeah. But I don't feel like that they're critical enough of these characters because no, there are no real character studies in this. The closest thing we get to that is Gregory Hines and his brother, and like that dynamic, which is the best part of the movie. Which is what it's one of the best parts of the movie because yeah. like there's actual pathos and like there's stuff in there about class, but also about personal relationships mm-hmm. and also about what it means to try to make it in this time when there are so few avenues in order to be able to follow your dreams. Like that is a compelling yeah. story. In a, another compelling instead we're dealing with stupid Dutchy or whatever his name <laughs> yeah. is. I, Oh, I hated the Dutchman, yeah. And the other yes. compelling story I thought we had was between Hoskins and Gwyn. Yes. Like, at the end, when there's that whole thing with oh, the... Oh, my gosh. That was the best acted scene in the whole movie. I don't care. Yes. I stand by that. It, it, like, their relationship actually that was felt like so a good. real relationship, unlike Richard Gere it and felt like, um, Lane. I, I, I know you've seen The Departed, right? Oh, Rachel... I guess I know what my next forcing is. I have something written down, but man, I might scratch that out and change it. <laughs> so, in, in The Departed, Jack Nicholson's mob boss character has a sidekick, and it feels very reminiscent of these two. Gotcha. And so I mean, they, that was what came they, to my head. But yeah, that was yes. Like I, I even though we've spent like the least amount of time those character beats felt more authentic yeah. than anything else we saw between Dutchman, Diane Lane and and Richard Gere who we spent way too much time with way too much time so this is a Nick Cage podcast so we should yes. talk about the briefness I, I will <laughs> I told Rachel in text uh, I don't think this is going to happen very much going forward because I feel like yeah. as we go forward in Cage's career he's not the side actor anymore right um, yeah, everybody recognizes he is the star. Yeah, it, it, it could happen again. I don't think it will. This was probably one we should have skipped because there yeah, is. But how do we know? There's very little cage in it. Yeah. Um, the cage we do get at first, I'm a little bit interested because he's kind of like grabbing on to his brother's coattails to like make a name for himself. Right. And then he disappears for a while, and when he comes back, he's long ki- time. he's killing children. <laughs> Yeah. When he does pop up briefly in the in-between, he's saying the N-word, which did not like to or hear from my dude. throwing pennies at people on stage. Yes, oh. making making it hail, as my cousin used to call it. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, he God. used to call making it hail instead of rain. Um, I have a classy family. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, it, yeah. shall, it felt like a shittier version of Godfather with Sonny. Mm-hmm. and it felt like we got to see Nick Cage without a shirt on the, I mean I I feel like that was like in his his contract in probably yeah I think so because like, he got his shirt off in the best of times you know what I yes, mean like, let people know that I do have a six pack and I am a little bit hairy so like you got that going for you uh, like, I, at first I was a little bit excited because we are introduced to Gears character and then like we meet the, the family and Jennifer Grey pops up and they're having like and he's kind of funny. He drops his N-word, makes it hail, and then disappears for an hour and a half. Comes back, dies, <laughs> after killing yeah. children. Yeah. Um, And that's the end of it. Yeah. Not enough him, and yet too much. Somehow it is both. <laughs> yes. This is, yes. So. This oh, is. The, yeah. Sorry. No, you're, you're good. You're good. I did not like this. 
I would not recommend this to anybody. No. Um, with that being said, I think the idea of talking about the Cotton Club but doing it from yeah. the perspective or historical analysis from an African-American point of yes. view um, yes. with an African-American writer and an African-American director and a, class, and a cast focused on that, I think that that is the most interesting part of this and could be yeah. retouched on. Um, even though I do like the Hoskins win stuff, I have my other gangster movies that give me something similar. So yeah, I kept waiting for there to be some commentary about the fact that, like, we're, they were so interested in black people as entertainment solely, but right? would not let them in. Like, it was present, but it like it was never analyzed in any way. Like, I, I think it, you it was are a thing that happened. Yeah, I think you're but, kind even saying it was present because it that's being generous. Yeah. I think it was only present just because of the context that was being said. Like the thing is Although, like there's an interesting story to be told there. The other highlight of the movie for me uh-huh. was when Lawrence Fish- Fishburne finally fucking went in on that guy that had been like threatening Gregory Hines. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'm gonna buy you a drink and shoved his face in the toilet. I was like, Yes, yes. Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> is very cool in this movie. He's very cool. I loved all the stuff about the, like, the, what were they, like, the high steppers, the, the, yeah. the stompers club. Like, all that stuff was so good. And, and, and the little teeny tiny, like, crumbs we got about them running the numbers game. Yes. And, like, getting, like, all that was the best parts, like, the most fascinating parts of this movie. I think it's The a... other thing is the costuming in this. Say what you will about plot, yeah. acting, anything else, but the costuming bucks in this movie it really does it is, it, it is on incredible. point it is on point and men in suits and hats all of the like 1920s cloche hats and like the lingerie in this thing mm-hmm. oh my god the first time we see diane lane and she's like yeah down and and she has that like little tiny i don't know teddy on mm-hmm. i was like oh my god i think it's a perfect segue too into acting not not to go into yeah. acting but to talk about it. yes like the movie itself the looks mm-hmm. like the stage direction the it that's why i brought up cabaret because cabaret did a brilliant job right of capturing that scene back in germany right yeah i feel like this did a really good job of making you feel like it was shot in that time by actors who understood what their characters were supposed to be doing during this time period mm-hmm. um i loved the long singing performances we got from gregory hines's um yeah love interest yes again that's, that's why i kept thinking about cabaret because cabaret has that like you'll have mm-hmm. stuff happen and then you'll have a song like a number um mm-hmm. so I, I did like that that's why i wanted to kind of pivot into that because i feel like you're right the, the highlight of this movie, for me, is the way it looked. Yeah. And how it's real gorgeous. it felt. Hmm. Yeah, I, I it looks gorgeous, and I loved a lot of the numbers. I think they maybe went a little too long, and there were a few too many of them. But when they successfully juxtaposed those against, like, other plot points, mm-hmm. that was another really strong point. Like, at the end, when there's, like, the shootout, and it's, like, back and forth between him and his tap dancing, or there's multiple times where we're yeah. cutting back and forth. In those moments, I'm like, okay, these dual tracks work. Yes. Um I think for me, I just like musicals a lot, and I really hated the narratives we were getting. So I was like, okay, cool. I can enjoy this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. 
he's such an incredible he was such an incredible dancer Mm -hmm. watching him do his thing is whether you like i'm not a big musical fan but when gregory hines is dancing i shut up and i watch yeah it was so compelling it was really good um Mm -hmm. acting you know i love our boy in all of his various flavors but this may be the one stinker in the bunch yes I, if you are catching the trend line or the through line through here guys uh this is not a cage um highlight yeah gem no 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 it is uh i don't know it it was it almost felt at times worse than the performance we got in the best of times right well he never got to like sink his teeth anything yeah he's always just like hey i'm wacky i'm wacky i'm wacky over here i'm wacky over here yeah it was you know yeah so obviously that hurts a lot when we are nick Mm. cage podcast like i said hoskins gwyn hines our side characters i thought were really good diane lane yeah not she's great yes not in this yeah and I don't even know what to kind of put that on. It's just not good. The the slap dance right. scene, which is probably the only time where we got any kind of conflict between the characters, just felt mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're interested to her. She's, like, giggly and drunk. And, like, that is so hard to pull off. And I, I don't know. I just, her as sort of the, the world-weary mall just did not necessarily work for me. I'm glad she got her club, but. Yeah. But I just don't know. I don't know that that ever really worked entirely for me. Loved looking at her. Loved her. Yes. I, I think the casting in terms of like physicality, like everybody looks like the makeup and the costuming and also just sort of like the pre everybody has the same face via plastic surgery face. <laughs> like everybody looked really great for mm-hmm. the period. I agree. The other interesting thing, and I want to put it here because I don't know really else to put it. What did you think of the Dutchman pulling a knife out and killing a dude at brunch or dinner or whatever that happened i mean and the level of violence that we I saw i was pretty into that part i was like I was are like, we oh, gonna get more of this like ooh. blood dripping from the chandelier an all-white room doused in like blood and you saw the knife go through his neck it was insane and total outlier from the rest of yes the Never again do we go there, which is a shame because to the me, most I was we got like, was Cage oh. bleeding through the phone booth into his M and M's. Yeah, the weird M and M's. I don't know, <laughs> which had no reference. M&Ms. Like it was supposed to be a meaningful thing, and it's like, did he like candy? <laughs> oh man! But yeah, no that that was one of the highlights because I, I it was so unexpected when it happened. It happened so early on in the movie. It was like, okay, we're gonna get some violence. Let's go. I mean, like it was meant to make us fear. Dutch, it did. Dutchman, and it did for a minute. Yeah, and then he but also. But then the became... rest of the time, he was such a like cuckold. Such... Yes, <laughs> big cuck energy for yes. the Dutch. Like we're all supposed to be afraid of him, but everybody's sassing him. Everybody's like oh. checking him, and he's just like he's getting sassed and ran down by around. dude named Mister Broadway. Like yeah, like okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was yeah, but that one scene was pretty great. I have to say yes. And I loved, I mean, the whole setting of it, too, like, over this table with all this food and, like, very great. in this gangster world. And then all of a sudden, erupting into, like, pretty intense violence was was pretty cool. Yes. Was pretty great. All right. Directing? I mean, I think you can feel that this is a project with too, too many cooks in the kitchen. 
Yeah, when Coppola is at his best, so your Godfather, your Apocalypse Now, your Dracula, mm-hmm. it is him taking the reins and doing his own thing. Obviously, he has done that other times and it has failed. Right. But I feel like if you're going to get authentic Coppola, you're going to get him doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. You and I both watched the version, which he felt was the closest to his own thing. And even with that, and kind of messy. the background, yes, it was a very messy. The narrative wasn't there. And he was a co-writer too. So it makes you wonder like how much did he actually have a hand in? Because like he directed the Godfather, like he directed apocalypse now. Like those are like, seminal movies like say what you want about anything about them but like those are like movie movies those are like the movies that people talk about the movies that you should kind of watch before you go um this is not it it is a mess it's a hard narrative it hops around way too much because all the characters look the same sometimes i got confused between the dutchman's character team and the broadway man's team and yeah who was who and it was messy and that's, mm-hmm. that's why I think I did gravitate towards Heinz's relationship with his brother because, like, I felt like they were actually kind of more individuals than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, Coppola did not do a good job, in my opinion, of shooting the dance numbers and, like, in a way that, mm-hmm. like, holds your uh, attention. What's his name? Who's the guy who directed? It's not so dynamic. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. the guy who directed all that jazz and... Co- and um, Fosse? No. Fosse, yeah. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right. Rachel, my girl. <laughs> yeah, Bob Fosse. Like, Bob Fosse was known for, like, I've talked about Cabaret, but now I'm talking about all that jazz. Like, he captured those dance numbers. And, like, as you said, Heinz was amazing. But if you go back and watch all that jazz and you watch the scene where the, the troupe does the sexy dance for the investors, and they're like, what is happening? Like, there is a way you capture that on film it was not in Coppola's wheelhouse. Mm, yeah. Like I, the one place where I thought it worked was the, the last number where it's cutting back and forth between the like fake train station and the real train station. And you get that feeling of fantasy and like breaking sort of the, the, it didn't feel like grease the bounds to you? of reality. What's that? It didn't feel like grease to you. I mean, all I could think of was grease. <laughs> that's what I, that was happening well, now that's all i can think about like, we go together it's like, oh my god we're this is i just meant in terms of, I, I just meant in terms of like at least he did something other than sure. like, stick a camera in front of the stage like he tried like blending real world with what was happening on the screen which i thought was interesting but now you're right now it's them flying away in the car <laughs> <It's Greece>. thanks, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Favorite cage line. This is so hard, Larry. (laughs) You get to go first because you took the only other line that I had. Okay. So I have, and like, honestly, is this a quotable? Not really, but it's like one of three sentences that he doesn't use like a racial epithet in. So we're going to go with Bugle Boy, meet Jesse James. And that's that it. is also mine, because like Rachel said, any other line that's more than four words somewhere has the N-word sprinkled into it. I feel like I'm going to have an easier time getting one out of Willie's Wonderland. Yes, I think we will. <laughs> At least it will not be problematic. Yeah, this, again, guys, like I, I take it. I thought it. I read it online. Uh, this was probably one of the cage movies we should have skipped. But hey, you get to hear me Rachel trash on Coppola, so that's always fun. 
Hey, what are you gonna do? I mean, Kappa will be fine. He'll be okay. He he he, he <laughs> has his one. It. He has his one. <laughs> to what cage fan do we recommend? The cage masochist. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I'm actually going to steal one of yours, Rachel. Ooh. This is for the Nick Cage completionist because oh yeah, no one else should also... watch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah All yeah. right, That's... now we have All to place right. it. We have Pig, we have The Rock, which are both asterisk as Mount Rushmore films for Cage. Mm-hmm. Then we have... This one, definitely Mount Rushmore. Oh, for sure. Number, number one. Number one. <laughs> Valley Girl, The Family Man, Racing with the Moon, Prisoners of the Ghostland, and The Best of Times. Yeah, this one is... Last. Last for me. Yes. Not because all... it's minimal Cage and not even... Like, he's not even chewing up the scenery or stealing the show. He's just, like, cringe. It's minimal cage. It's problematic. It's a bad movie. Like, it's not even like when we did Racing with the Moon, which had... We still had a lot of really cool cage scenes mm-hmm. in that. Which, by the way, you... for That was for the Boogie Wiggle Boogle Boy from Company B from you. I stand by it. So we have Bugle Boy <laughs> twice referenced in this podcast, which who would have guessed that? Oh my god, the bugle count two. <laughs> two, we heard. Write it down. <laughs> we heard two. Um, yeah. Um, this this is not good. There's no. There, if you want to watch a movie about this time period, that's talking about race. There's better. If you want to watch a better dancing movie, there's better. If you want to watch a better cage movie, there there are loads better. So if you are a masochist or a completionist, this is the cage film for you. Mm-hmm. any last thoughts rachel if we go into the closing again great costuming that was like my saving grace through this thing i just looked at the clothes yeah and fred Gwynn is amazing he's always a pleasure whenever he pops up he's a delight he, he always just makes me so happy delight. he always does also bob hoskins man yes. he never got his propers I, I mean everybody just remembers him as roger rabbit that's right he's oh my gosh you're right that's who he's from yes why did i see that yes oh my yes again the scene where they reunite after gwen was kidnapped is just it's the best in my opinion it's the best scene in the whole movie i agree i agree oh man it's like the most authentic emotional scene in the whole freaking movie it's it's so good somehow guys we've lasted an hour i do not know yes and i I told rachel text i was like man this might be my clock in is the shortest but we we're good at chewing well, I mean, I think there's like 20 minutes of Spider-Man talk. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap up our review and head yes. on into the closing. So the next film we have is Birdie. I'm yes. um, also 84. I haven't seen it. Rachel has knows that we get I mean, a lot of cage. As a child, I don't okay. remember it. I remember, I remember it being one that was considered good, but I don't remember it at all. The question is: Are we going to get more cage in this than the last one? I mean, I <laughs> I can't imagine we would get less. Okay, then perfect. Then we are already on the right path. Let's see where he is in the cast list. He is number two in the cast list. So is it uh, Broderick than him? Yep. I'm so excited. It's your boy. It's gonna... Modine head. Simba, the worm guy. It's going to be a great time. Uh, any emails? 
Probably not. <laughs> no, not for this one. Not Sorry. for the Cotton Club. <laughs> a big swing and a miss. Uh, if you would like to send us email about Birdie or any other Cage movies that we have covered or are soon to cover, send us an email. You can reach us at nickcage at zombiegirls. That's G-R-R-L-Z dot com. Also, if you want to send us your own Nick Cage artwork, you can do that. We'll use it for the show episode. Or if there's a movie that you'd like to use your own artwork for for the show, send it our way. We'll give you credit. We'd like to see what you can do. Um, Any last thoughts, Rachel? Nope. Just looking forward to Birdie and putting Cotton Club in the rear view. Totally agree. Everyone, <laughs> uh, if you are a patron, make sure you stay after for the extended episode. We're talking Avatar and Black Sabbath. What a combination. Yeah. And until next time, don't stay scary Bye, because this oh. isn't that. <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye. I thought it was, you know, I could eat a peach for hours. That's right. I, I, I always Okay. Okay. Extended stuff. Yeah. I want you yeah. to go first. Yeah. Okay. Because I think yours will be far briefer. Okay. I asked you for four albums of Black Sabbath. I cut it there down was an to two. <laughs> I cut it down to yes. two. Okay. Whew. I was like, I, did I dream that you said? No, I, did I definitely did. I, did. I definitely did because you said you hadn't gotten okay. to it yet, and I didn't. I am not trying to add stress to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I actually ended up having a much better time than I feared that I would because it, the thing is, is I like music as a background, but I can't just focus on it because my brain will go elsewhere and yeah. it will do the thing that I never, ever want it to do, which is think. Yep. <laughs> and my head is either like a beautiful bubblegum rainbow happy place or like the world's darkest. And so... I always fear that's where I'm going and I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. <laughs> I don't want to feel my feelings and music makes you feel your feelings. I actively work hard every day to make sure I never feel my feelings. <laughs> okay. So you listen so to, yes, yeah, so you listen to black Sabbath and you listen to paranoid. Yes. yes. Did you feel and your I realized feelings? I, a bit, I also definitely was down memory lane because I had heard both of these albums before. Uh -huh. I didn't know. I knew I had heard Ozzy. I knew I had heard black Sabbath, but I didn't realize I had like heard all of these albums before until I put them out in my ears. This is like the first time since junior high and I was not stoned or had a hand on my shirt, which is a new experience. But uh, yeah, definitely in high school, this was like on heavy rotation. I just didn't know they were like full albums. So I had a, I, I had an okay memory lane time okay. and a good time musically. Definitely. I mean, Ozzy, he has that voice. It was interesting to listen to the first album and the second album because I do feel like they're totally different animals. Yes. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time with them.